welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My friends, my name is Philip O'Connor, coming to you from the September sunshine here in Stockholm. It's a beautiful day, just as I'm recording this little bit of intro, and all the bits and pieces to go around, the fascinating bits of chats that I've had all week, and that I'm going to bring you on this particular podcast. Before we go any further, right, I want to tell you the most important thing you're going to hear for the next six and a half to seven weeks, right? If you want to watch the Rugby World Cup in a pub, go to Veerstrom's, but book your table beforehand and Martin Hessian will look after you. Martin has always been a great sponsor of this podcast, great supporter of the Irish community in general. He supports the women's camogues and the Stockholm Gales and the football lads and absolutely everybody. Perfect place to go and watch the rugby, but book your table so that he can put you under a screen and look after you in the status to which and the fashion to which you have become accustomed as a valued member of the Irish community here in Sweden. Jeez, uh, I'm looking down the list of things I have to tell you this week, lads, and it's mad altogether. There's all sorts of stuff to do with music. There's going to be plenty of sport on here as well. But uh, let us start by saying that our new ambassador, Barbara Jones, has presented her credentials to the King of Sweden. So it's official. We have a new ambassador. Uh, Ambassador Austin Gormley has moved on to South Africa and Ambassador Jones has now presented her credentials so we're all good to go and I think I saw somewhere in the Gothenburg Irish Facebook group is going, ah deadly, we can have a few points again now so I think they're hoping to get the new ambassador down there for a little bit of a chat, a little bit of a a shake hands that kind of thing in the near future and I think there's actually a little bit of a semi-formal event here that's going to be happening in the near future uh, to welcome the ambassador here and she'll get to meet some of the community and that so on behalf of the podcast, on behalf of the community uh, Ambassador, I hope you're listening you're very welcome to Stockholm. We're very much looking forward to meeting you and to continue the great work that your predecessor did and indeed his and predecessors before him. Uh, so the best of luck to you and we hope that you're settling in okay. In some other great news uh, for our community here, a former secretary uh, who worked over here in the Department of Foreign Affairs, Ragnar Almqvist, uh, he was here about 10, 12 years ago and he worked in the embassy there as, uh, I think it's they call it deputy head of mission these days. I hate saying these things without checking them because uh, you know the people in the Department of Foreign Affairs go, oh no, actually he's called the second or third secretary or something like that. But look at she is get the picture. Um, Ragnar was a brilliant uh, young diplomat and he has just been appointed ambassador to Hungary which is tremendous news altogether and as you can tell by the name Ragnar Almqvist uh, his father was a Swedish academic named Bo Almqvist and I've written about this on irishinsweden.com uh, and he presented his credentials I think they may have done so on the same day uh, and it's a really proud moment for us because you know his formative years were spent here with us uh, he was a great player for the Stockholm Gales brilliant goalkeeper altogether and it was in one way like you know it was just amazing to see how competitive he was I I think he used to play his club football for Kilmacud Croaks back in the day, certainly from the south side of Dublin City there, but a uh, brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper, really tall, perfect Gaelic football goalkeeper, great kicker and a ball. We used to throw him into the midfield on occasion as well, and just a hugely tenacious footballer, often hard on himself, you know, he would often, you know, beat himself up if he conceded a goal or if his kickouts didn't go the way he wanted him to, you know, but luckily enough, we didn't lose too many games around there, but uh, brilliant to see, and we do hope that at some point we will see him back here in Sweden in an official or indeed an unofficial capacity because they know that he still has an awful lot of friends uh, here and people look out for him so yeah very proud moment for our community here listen 
there's a load of things to get through, right? Now, there is a little bit of mu- news about music and that coming. I'm going to tack that on a little bit later on. But last week, I was down below in Lynn Shopping, and we're talking about proud moments for communities and for the Irish people in general, that kind of thing. Uh, so let's listen to one of the, the prouder moments that went on in this past week. So what happened was, uh, Katie McCabe came here with her club, Arsenal. Katie, as you will well know by this stage, is the captain of the Republic of Ireland women's soccer team, has scored Ireland's to date only goal for the women's team in the World Cup, direct from the corner against Canada, and she was over here and normally I wouldn't do this because it's only a short little interview in what they call a mixed zone, right? A mixed zone is where the players have to pass through. They don't have to talk to journalists like me good self, but um it's, you know, it's recommended. But uh, the Arsenal press officer, a lovely fella called Dan, he brought her out. Now, I did ask to interview Katie to sit down with her, that kind of thing. And uh, both the club and herself decided it was just something that wasn't worth doing at the moment. And I'll tell you why it probably wasn't something they wanted to do. It's because I'm only going to ask her about Vera Powell, the Ireland situation. Uh, Vera Powell, of course, the coach who brought us to the World Cup, whose contract wasn't extended. And that's just not the kind of hassle that she needs right now. She prepares for a new Women's Super League season. So I hope that at some point in the near future, we'll get to sit down and maybe talk to Katie for the global Gale podcast about that achievement down in Australia, scoring that goal and of course leading Ireland to a World Cup and living in London and all that goes with it but here is what happened in the mix zone with Miss Katie McCabe and she had just found out, or Arsenal had just found out, that Katie had been nominated for the Ballon d'Or, the Golden Ball, as the best women's player in the world, right? Now there's quite a few nominees, there might be a dozen or two dozen nominees, but to be nominated among one of the best uh, dozen or two dozen footballs in the world is an amazing achievement for somebody who plays for a very good club side made it to the Champions League semi-finals but plays for a side like Ireland who are only qualifying for a major tournament for the uh, first time this summer right so I'll bring you that conversation in its entirety we had a little bit of a laugh about it as we went on but it's only a couple of minutes we'll drop it in here here is Katie McCabe down in Lynn Chapping about two hours south of Stockholm during the week after playing against Lynn Chapping and uh, winning 3-0 against I think they won 3-0 in the end here, you, here she is Here's Katie. Yeah. Just, it's just about to be announced, but Katie's been nominated to Ballon d'Or. So, big, big news. First nice. Irish person since Rory Keane in 2000. Nice one. Google's, well, Google's, Google's been doing some heavy lifting. Google, yeah, I was going to say, that's not common knowledge from you, is it? At least you went to the World Cup. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me just start by asking, how does that feel then to be uh, nominated for Ballon d'Or? Um, yeah, I, I mean, like Dan said, it's a. Uh, a first from a, a women's point of view, so it's a, a really nice um, achievement and accolade um, on a personal level. But uh, you can never achieve those things without without your team. And for me, it's always about the team and and how we're we're competing and winning trophies together. That's, that's why I play a team sport, you know. Um, I love picking picking up trophies and, and winning things with my teammates. But of course, yeah, it's always nice to be nominated um, for a Ballon d'Or. I guess it's the first first time I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be the last time. Well deserved. <laughs> Um, how important was it really to get through this game? Because you guys haven't had long together, well, you know, yeah. The, yeah. the small matter of playing on the other side of the world all summer. How, like, how, I guess, relieved are you to, like, get through this game and get the result? You know what, it's a credit to the girls that have come back about a week or two ago. Um, those girls that were in the final stage of the tournament. Um, and the, the massive amount of work the girls that have been back here doing. Um, it was a, a big, big team effort uh, tonight. Um, we knew it was going to be a really difficult game coming here on turf, playing a team that have had a couple of games in the season already, um, and it was going to be a battle. Um, but honestly, big, big shift from the team from start to finish. I think we started with quality and ended with quality. You've seen the impact the girls had coming off the bench as well, and um, that's what we uh, 
we were missing a little bit towards the end of last season, obviously with a few legs missing. Um, but it's really exciting now to be back um, and putting a shift together like that as a, as a team. And uh, you finished the game at right back. I know you have played there before, but obviously with Laura injured, is that something Jonas has talked about you doing perhaps more regularly this season, or was that just a case of getting through today? You know me, Tim. I play where uh, <laughs> I play wherever I'm put. Um, but yeah, look, obviously with the uh, the injury to, to Laura, um, we've kind of got Noel in, in that area, um, and yeah, it's. Um, Maybe an area that Jonas is, is looking at. You'd have to ask him yourself. But um, I will. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Um, but to be fair, I, I liked it. I kind of like coming in as the uh, as an inverted sort of fullback um, and and working and, and linking up with the quality we have in midfield. So um, yeah, it's another new position for me, but one I'll be looking to hopefully uh, enjoy as well. Yeah. Yes. Did it make a big difference to you having girls who played in this stadium for this team before? They know the town, they know where you can go and have a cup of coffee. Yeah, no, of course. Obviously, we were talking to the Swedish girls. Um, Frida, obviously, being a, a, a previous player in Stina, I think, yeah. from... Yeah, I knew I knew that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, obviously we we want to understand what what they're about. Um, if they're a physical team, they're obviously a tall team as well, and we knew they get stuck in. And like I said, they've they've had a few games under the belt as well. Um, so we knew it was going to be a, a difficult task, as it is in this round. You know, um, you're starting um, the Champions League really early um, off the back of a, a major tournament across the other side of the world. Um, I'm just really pleased with how we performed. Three goals clean sheet um, and another big important game on Saturday. How much rest have you had now since the World Cup because it seems to be game after game after game season after season. <laughs> I think I had about a week off, <laughs> week and a half maybe Yeah, and then know? I was back in took myself away by myself, didn't talk to anyone for a week, <laughs> it was great <laughs> um, but now yeah I just I took myself away um, and was able to switch off because I know it's going to be um, massive coming in here, um, again you have to be on your A game every single day, you're playing with um, and training with the best players in the world. Um, so you have to be you have to be performing and training day in day out to, to make sure you get a spot on the pitch. Ballon d'Or nomination is already in the bag for this season. What's the goal with the Women's Super League, with the Champions League? How far do you think this Arsenal team could go this year? Look, we're in this Arsenal shirt, it's all about trophies um, and the pressure it is to perform. Um, week in, week out, we have to be consistent. Um, as a club, we want to be competing um, for trophies on all fronts and no doubt, um, especially with the, the quality we've brought in as well, um, we, we can do that this season and, and that'll be um, yeah, a really important time and target for us this year. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, baby. There you are. That was indeed Ireland's captain, Katie McCabe, talking to reporters there. And it was like, you know, in a corridor, and we're standing behind this sort of ropey like thing. And Katie just came out, and the chap you heard first there asking the questions is a chap called Tim Stillman. And Tim basically travels the world following Arsenal's women around the place. So she knows Tim very well. He usually gets asked the first couple of questions. I'm sure I squeezed in a few myself. But she walked into the mix zone, and basically down along this line of reporters, Dan guided her down to where we were standing, and she just went, Story! And unfortunately, I didn't get it because it was the most Dublin of greetings that you would ever hear in a mix zone. There is another football interview coming up, lads and ladies, and uh, this time it's going to be with Alvin uh, Alvin Vinbo, a Swedish lad who played for Cork City, and it's a fascinating tale altogether. But before I do that, I wanted to bring you some music news, right? If you heard last week's podcast, you will have heard me giving a plug to Brian O'Connor, the legendary guitar player, songwriter, singer, troubadour, all-round nice guy, absolutely brilliant musician. 
and he had announced that he was going to be doing a few gigs with a man called Dave Heary who has played for years with the legendary Irish singer and musician Van Morrison right no sooner had I published the podcast lads than Brian was on me on Facebook going yeah sorry about that it's cancelled okay Dave has been called away to go on tour to uh, North America and unfortunately had to get on to Brian and say that those gigs were cancelled so there was one in the Liffey Cellar Bar in Stockholm and then there was one in Jakob's Bar out in Jakob's Bay I think that was on the 21st or 26th 2nd of September and then one in New Shopping as well at the Niels Oscar Brewery there. Those gigs are cancelled. Dave will hopefully be back at some later date but just in case you were there looking for tickets or checking out Google Maps to see uh, how you were going to get to those venues. Held off there now lads right. Brian will of course be playing himself in the likes of Veerstrums and uh, various other pubs around the place. He'll probably make a visit to Fagans and Malmo. When he is doing that I'll let you know. Go listen to him because he's absolutely brilliant to hear but that is put off for the time being. Now I've also been twice trying over the last few weeks to get in touch with the Mary Wallopers. The Mary Wallopers are an Irish band from north of Dublin. I think they're from Dundalk. I could be wrong. Don't come at me, lads. I'm an elf. Don't listen to these things as much anymore. But uh, yeah, they're coming to uh, Stockholm and I was going to give them a push. So a friend of mine knows the band well. I think he shot a few videos for him. And he said, yeah, yeah, no, I'll fix you up. And then he just sort of vanished off the face of the earth. But it doesn't matter because apparently the gig is sold out. The Mary Wallopers are playing on the 16th of September at the Bar Brooklyn in Stockholm and it's now sold out um I don't know what you're going to do if you're looking for tickets, but you're, you know, let us know anyway and we'll see if they might have a yelled spot in the guest list for any die-hard fan who hasn't managed to fix it. But I was talking to a few of the girls off the Camogie team and I think there was an awareness, shall we say, that the gig was coming up. And I'm sure there'll be a good few of the Stockholm girls, Camogie girls there, uh, watching the gig and enjoying it and that kind of thing. If you do hear of anybody playing and Irish artists come over, don't take it for granted that I know. Everybody assumes that I'm like everybody's ma and that I know what everybody's doing and that you just treat this place like the hotel and that she has never tell me tell me what's going on right drop me a message on Instagram or on WhatsApp or tag me on Twitter or send me an abusive voice note on WhatsApp, uh, on WhatsApp as well just keep me abreast of these things because the worst thing that can happen is and it's happened a few times uh, it happened to me back in April I think when uh, the water boys were playing here and I, I didn't know about it you know and I'd sort of you know put it out of my mind and I missed a gig now I did get to see them in August and that was brilliant but uh, yeah let's share these things as much as possible because when Irish artists come to town we want to come out we want to support them we want to make them feel welcome here but we also want to enjoy them because they tend to be very very good indeed so if you hear of anything like that going on or if you hear of an author coming over or or, you know anybody who's doing anything in biff somebody's appearing at a conference or something we should know about do let us know because that's what the podcast is for Right, I was sitting here back in January, lads, and uh, as you know, I work with sports journalism. I don't, you know, I don't report transfers, I don't report rumours or anything else like that. The next thing I see a quote from, uh, a tweet from Cork City, and they signed Albin Vinbo from Vorbei on the west coast of Sweden, which is where the late Kevin Higgins used to live. Lovely town, lovely football club, the nicest people in the world. And yet here's this young fella ended up playing for Cork City in the, in the Irish Premier Division, in the top division in Ireland. I was going, Jesus, we have to get this lad on. And I put it on the back burner a little bit because we've been very busy lately. We've had interviews coming out our backside here, lads. And then as the season wore on, uh, Albin played a bit and then he didn't play a bit and then he got injured and then he came back to Sweden and I thought okay this is the perfect opportunity now so I got him, uh, got in touch with him last week and we sat down on Zoom because of course the Swedish-Irish community doesn't just include those of us who are living in Vorbei and in Göteborg and in Halmstad and in Stockholm and in Javla it also includes those Swedish people who are living in Ireland and sure we love to check in with them from time to time and see what they're up to and I know that there are a lot of people from Cork who listen to, to this podcast yeah, the likes of Noel and Marco so 
Sullivan and, and all the boys and girls. And they're actually great at sharing. Better than the dubs, lads. Better than the dubs. Putting it up to you now, even if it is an episode about a cock person. Get out and get sharing this. They're very supportive on that front. And I think that's somebody everybody can uh, something everybody can learn from. So let us get into it. Swedish footballer Albin Vinbo on how he became a rebel and ended up playing for Cork City in the League of Ireland up at the very top flight of our football back home. Albin, an absolute pleasure to have somebody from the Swedish community in Ireland for a little while on the podcast. Could you just tell me a little bit about how you came to be a professional footballer at all? You've played for the local club there in Vorbay, haven't you? Yeah, I played for, uh, for a club called Varbush Gif for like, I guess like 15 years. And then I was uh, uh, another club here in, in my local town contact, contacted me and I played in the Swedish fourth and third tier. Um, then uh, for like two years, I played in that club called Tvakers EF. Uh, and then I was signed for Varbush Boys in the Swedish first tier, uh, Allsvenskan, and played there for uh, three three years, I think. And then I, yeah, in in, in the summer the last year, I was I was on loan in a Norwegian team called Sandefjord in the in the Norwegian top tier. Um, yeah, and then this year I I in January signed for Cork City in Ireland. <laughs> It's been a hell of a story. I have to ask you a question about Sandefjord. I'm not yeah. sure if you know it or not, right? There's an yeah. Irish connection there. There's an Irish man called Pat Walker who managed Örebro yeah. in the Allsvenskan before. Yeah. He, he yeah. was a coach at Sandefjord. He yeah. had obviously nothing to do with your trip there, no? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I never heard his name, so I don't recognize that. There you go. His son plays for his son Kevin plays for Otterbro in the Super at the moment. Yeah. Oh, he's, um, he's Kevin, his son. Okay, then yeah. Yeah, Kevin is his dad, and his brother Robert is a, he was a very good footballer for Otterbro as well, but he had an injury similar to yours, which we'll we'll get into in a little while. Um yeah. when how did Cork City find out about you? How did they get in touch with you first? <laughs> Actually, I have no idea. I just <laughs> uh, I was in I was in um I talked to my club here in Warburg and I was like I got a I got a like new kick from from getting out from my my local hometown for when I took the adventure to to Norway and I was like I I, I loved it so much so I I felt that yeah maybe it's time for a new adventure and and my agent just called me one day and he said uh, listen we're going to Ireland and I was like Ireland I've never heard like they even play football in Ireland like <laughs> obviously I know they play football but uh, but not that it's not the world's highest level in fairness no no exactly and then he just told me yeah it's it's cork city and it's like the second biggest city in ireland and this and that um and i was like yeah and we spoke and i got more and more into it and i felt that it's it's uh feeling good I had a good feeling about it I didn't know anything like still when I was on the plane and arriving in Cork I still didn't know like anything about Cork or the football or the city or the people or anything um but yeah it wasn't that way I guess my agent had contact with another agent that was 
uh, good in in getting players to Ireland and to the mm. League of Ireland. So yeah, in that way. Uh, and who is your agent? Do you mind me asking? Because uh, it's one of those things. I know a few people in football are right. Is it a Swedish agent that you had? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Swedish agent. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but it's fascinating because some Swedes have gone to Ireland. I know there was a goalkeeper at Shamrock Rovers a few years ago as well. I can't remember his name now, but there have been a few Swedes, but not as many as you would expect. You land in Ireland, right? It's January. Did they fly you directly to Cork or did you fly to Dublin? Uh, I actually took the flight uh, from Gothenburg to London, London to Cork. So it London was to Cork. Safe. But it was safe. It was, it was good. Did did the, the club meet you at the airport? How was the yeah, first? Actually, uh... actually, the um, the coach picked me up um, at the airport. I just spoke to him like I think I think he contacted me on WhatsApp like the day before I had I was going. He's saying hello, my name is Colin, and I'm the coach here. Looking forward to you. And he called me when I was on the airport in Sweden. That was like the first time I had any connection with someone in Cork. And then he said, "Just said, yeah, I'm, I'm I pick you up at the airport." At, yeah, it was in the middle of the night, 12 or so. Uh, so, yeah, he picked me up. That was Colin Healy, who, of course, is a legend of, of Cork City Football yeah, Club. Yes, and, yes. I and didn't know that before, but, uh, yeah. It's a fantastic. Um, you get there. They're going to bring you somewhere to stay. Did they put you in a hotel? Did they have an apartment rented for you? How do they yeah, handle you in the first few days? Like, I, I was supposed to get an... To get an uh, an, an apartment but uh, it took some while so when he picked me up in the middle of the night it was dark and you know as a swede i'm i'm used to driving on the right side of the road so like we drove on the on the on the left side and i was like oh my god we're gonna crash <laughs> uh started off like that and then he just uh, took me some to some bed and breakfast and um um he dropped me off he dropped me off and showed me my room and i was like when is the breakfast and he he tells me <laughs> it's a funny story but he felt he, he tells me that uh, uh that we don't have they don't have any breakfast so uh, <laughs> yeah and i forgot one thing my my bag didn't go through the didn't get from from london either so i didn't have any bag when i came there so it's like it was uh a frustrating for 24 hours <laughs> In, in Cork, but yeah. So, so you, you arrive in Cork City in the middle of the night with basically yeah. anything you have in your pockets. Yeah. You get brought to a bed and breakfast that's only really a bed. And yeah, so it's like a hotel room. Yeah. yeah, so like into a sort of a hotel room kind of thing. Um, yeah. You must have been starting to think, okay, what what have I gotten myself into here? <laughs> I, I, I was like... But I'm like I'm a I'm a I'm a humble guy, so like I wasn't like frustrating that way. I was still like looking forward to everything that's gonna happen. And uh, but I, of course I, I didn't know like anywhere I was in in Cork. He just dropped me off. He said, "Yeah, here's a shopping center. Here is this. Here's that." So it was like still kind of close to like supermarkets and everything like that. But yeah, he drove me to Circle K, I think, and we he got me some. I, I bought some breakfast from Circle K, and then I just took the 200 meters walk back to my to my room and yeah from that yeah that's how the, it started the, the glamour of professional football yeah, exactly I, I, I'm guessing the next day then Albin obviously they bring you over the following day you have to go to, to Cork City to the training ground yeah, yeah. Uh, you have no kit with you how did that work out did you have to borrow a pair of boots and get stuck in uh, I have to see how this was but um, I think they yeah they had a training in the in the morning, the day after, but he said I didn't have to train that 
going that training. So I think he picked me up at two, I think, in the middle of the day. And he um he drove me there to the training ground, Bishopstown it was called. And we did some tests, some physical tests, and I saw the physio and then I signed and I think I got the training gear at the same time when I signed and stuff. Mm. Yeah, but it was and- nice. When did your bag turn up? Because this yeah, is a, it actually, it actually turned up because they called me from the airport in the middle of the signing session uh, and said, "Yeah, listen, we have I'm I'm at your place now, and uh, I have your your bag and stuff." And so I just said, "Yeah, you can put it out there." Like I hope that no one took would take it before I came home, and it was standing there. But I think two of two out of six wheels were broken, so I couldn't like roll it either. So it was perfect. <laughs> What a great start to your trip to yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you mind me asking you, Alban, you've gone from playing for Vorbay in the Allsvenskan. Okay, it's not the biggest club in, in, in the Allsvenskan, but I, I assume you had a decent wage there. You could live on yeah. the money that you got. What was, was that similar to Cork? Were you able to get the same? Were you able to get more money out of Cork than maybe if you'd gone to another Allsvenskan club? Uh, I would say they were similar to, to, the, to the wage I had in, in Sweden in Vorbay. Uh, mm. Obviously, when you came from when you come as a foreign player, you might get like a little bit more than you would get as a local player, I guess. Uh, from what I from what I heard when I was there, uh, but yeah, it was it was similar to the wage I had in, in Sweden. Um, uh, yeah, that's it, I guess. Uh, you were happy enough with that. Um, yeah, I was. I was. The, the first training session, there's always a thing like that. You mentioned it there. You're a foreign player. You're coming in from Sweden. Here's the guy who's played in the top flight in Sweden. Um, I played in Irish football, albeit at an amateur level. You know, they tend to try to show you, you know, that they're tough. They tend to try to kick you in the first training yeah, session. How yeah. was the first training session with the Cork City lads? Did they welcome you with open arms or did they go for you with their two studs up? I was actually like... I was actually kind of nervous when I first met him because they played a game like two days after I, I came there, like the second preseason game. But I wasn't playing. I was just going to warm up with them and do some runnings with the with the physical coach. And and I was I remember I was sitting there because the coach was getting me because I didn't have any car. So and I didn't know where I was still. So he <laughs> drove me to, to the because they were tra- they were do, playing the game at the training grounds. And um and I remember I was sitting there and they came into the room and I was talking to everyone and saying hello and and they were actually like more uh what would I say kind than than uh, than I thought they would be but they were just the, the main thing that I was asked like was why did you come to Ireland when you play in the top flight and they were like shocked what the fuck are you doing here like and I was like yeah I needed an adventure and I was I was played in my hometown for my whole life but they were so shocked that I came to to Ireland instead of playing in Allsvenskan uh, but um, but yeah in the first training as you asked from that was it was actually good uh, of course it's it's tough but uh, not that I had in my mind that they're gonna kick me and be rude and everything so mm. it, it worked out well i think 
Yeah. What did you think of the standard of the players there? Because there has been teams from the League of Ireland that have come here to Sweden and gotten good results. Cork City played against you, Gordon, here at the old Rosunda Stadium in, uh, a yeah. few years ago. Uh, they've also been to, you know, St. Patrick's Athletic have been to Elsborg and got a good result uh, home and away. You know, we've had Shamrock Rovers here last year against you, uh, Gordon, in the Europa yeah. Conference League. What did you think of the standard of player and the standard of tactics that were being used at Cork? I think it was actually real professional. Uh, everything around the club, like we had, like I guess we had like three or four coaches. We had a physio that was there, a physical coach, and I think the tactics were well. Um, it was everything was good. I think, and and with the with the players, I think it was kind of up and down. I think. Corp would have it tough in in Alsvenskan, to be fair, mm. uh, but they still will manage to to be like a mid-table team in in Superettan, I think, in the Swedish second tier. Uh, but overall, I think it was like high standards. But I guess the difference was like in Sweden, it's more technical, and in Ireland, it's so much more physical, and uh, that's the biggest difference, I would say, uh, from my time in Sweden here. Was that a shock to you? Because Swedish people see Irish football or English football as being primarily physical. So when yeah. your agent calls you and said, right, Albert, we'll go to Ireland, is the first thing you think, okay, get me a pair of boxing gloves because it's <laughs> going to be tough? Um, actually, like I, I've always seen myself, especially now with three years in Alsvens, you know, with that experience, I've always seen myself as a physical player and player and uh, a player with that's playing with high intensity and, and loves running. So... I was more like uh, looking forward to to play in in like a British team. You say so. I, I heard that you can't say British team. When oh, please don't do that. Ireland. I heard that was like <laughs> the first first thing I said to a guy, and that I played with. He said, "No, we're not in British team. We're Ireland." Like, um, but it was way more physical and more intense than I could ever think of. Um, and I thought it would be easier for me to get into it quicker but it it took me a few months in before i like got into the real intensity and and everything like that how do you deal with that because you're a midfielder right you're a man who likes to get on the ball you like to pass the ball you like to look up there's no time for that in the league of ireland a lot of the time you just you have to play the ball you're, the way you're facing pretty much a lot of the time there's no time to do anything fancy or anything like that it's like getting a target on your back did you have to change the way you played to survive and to thrive in the league of ireland yeah i guess so um because i came like in I missed a few a few preseason games, so I didn't have that much. Like in Sweden, I'm used to have a preseason from January until April, but in the League of Ireland, we had just had from January until 18th of February, I think. So I don't think my body was uh, in that stage that I'm used to when when the season starts. So it took me some time to get the fitness level I want to get them. So yeah, I guess I had to change some stuff after a few games. I because I started the first game against Bohemians, I remember, and and I remember they were like on top of me every time I got the ball. And I'm used to having in Alsenska, you got like one, two, three, four, five seconds more on the ball before uh, a defender or a midfielder, whoever is is up in your ass, if you can say so. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess I had to change my game in in playing faster and easier passes before I can put the 
put the passes through and behind their back four and whatever that I can mm. e- usually do easier in Sweden. Mm. There's time to turn in the Allsvenskan, which doesn't really exist. You know, when you've Keith Buckley and Flores and all these guys at Bohemians yeah, yeah, who are just sort of yeah. banging into you straight away. Yeah, and exactly. these guys, they'll do that 50 times in a game. If you give them 50 yeah, exactly. chances, they'll keep doing it to you, you know? Yeah, exactly. um, what was it like? The game you played against Bohemians first, was that away? Was that in Dalyman Park or was it in Turner's Cross? No, at Turner's Cross. Turner's Cross. What, what was so, that experience like? like? Because wow, Cork was... has a reputation for fans. Yeah, exactly. That was, that's actually one, like, I would actually rate it as like top two uh, sickest football experience as a player that I had because it was, you know, it was the first game of the season and Cork were like new uh, promoted for the League of Ireland. Uh, I've heard that the fans are sick before I came to Ireland in for Cork City and it was uh, uh, television. Yeah. It was broadcast TV. live on TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Broadcast on TV. And I heard that, like, and I saw a day, some days before that it was sold out and uh, everything. And in the during the warm-up, we we warm up um, with the shed end, it was called, I think. It is indeed. Uh, in our backs. And it was already full, like, even 40 minutes before before uh, the game started. So we had them screaming and shouting and applauding us even uh like 40 minutes before the game so i was like oh my god what is this place and uh yeah and the Bose fans were almost the same as well so it was actually a sick experience although we lost the game and i think i played a shit game it was a really nice experience um are you sort of were you put off by that by the size of the occasion because as you say people don't really expect this in irish football sold out game two sets of fans people coming down from dublin shouting screaming singing for 90 minutes you know can you think can you concentrate when you're trying to play in the midfield or does the game just speed up to the point where you go what the hell is happening here um actually i'm not like from sweden i'm used to to play in front of uh, more people than that so i think as a player when you when when the game starts you don't like hear the noise in the same way as you do in the warm up when you're not that focused in the same way if you can say so mm-hmm. uh, but of course i i was nervous but that was because oh it was my first game and i had like i think i had really big expectations on my on my shoulders for myself and from everything like that when i came as a as a player from sweden everything um so but like the noise and everything, I, I didn't think of that except from like before the game started, I think. Hmm. When you're living in a place like Cork, right? Now, Cork City have come back up. They were once one of the best clubs in Ireland. They were once one of the richest clubs in Ireland as well. They paid big, big money, you know, that kind of thing. But it's still a very proud city. So even if they come up from the first division to the premier division, um, there's an expectation there, especially against big clubs like Bohemians, like Shamrock Rovers, like Derry City, that you're going to perform, you know. And um, was it difficult? Because it's also a sort of a little small town mentality. So, you know, you lose a game against Bohemians. You still have to go to Circle K or to, you know, the local supermarket the day after did people speak to you about the game did they recognize you on the street afterwards uh that was also one thing i was shocked from because they they actually came from because i was walking with a few other lads uh and they were um actually coming forward to you and spoke to you and said like uh, can we take a picture or can i get an autograph or everything and, and stuff like that 
So I was actually shocked when, the, but the, but I, no one ever came forward and said something bad to you. So it was actually funny, and, and I was a bit shocked that they came forward and recognized me and said like, "Listen, can we get a picture, or can I can you sign here, or whatever?" Mm. And so that was that was a fun thing, then and, and a shocking thing as well. Uh, how did it work socially after you'd left? You know, did, did they get you an apartment in the end, or did they get you somewhere nice to stay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I moved. I was living there for in the in this hotel room, if you could say so, for like uh, four days, and then I went into the calling and said, "Listen, I I can't live here because I can't then do any breakfast. I just had this this small fridge, and yeah, I, I put it full with some breakfast and stuff that I had before." I went to the training ground and yeah, you said like, listen, I can't leave her because I can't live here because I can't cook. I can't uh, do this and that. So he actually, he actually moved me to a house, a uh, bigger house. Uh, I was living and then said, yes, you can, you can live here until, until we find you an apartment. And I was asking another one woman that was holding on to this apartment and house stuff. And she said, yeah, listen, you're not going to, not even a week, she said to me. And I was like, okay, that's good, finally. But I stayed there for, I think, two months or so. <laughs> this is the thing. Irish people sometimes will say what you what they think you want to hear rather than tell you the Definitely. truth, you know? Yeah. Um, when you got settled down in that, you know, people recognize you around town and that. Did, did you, how did things work socially? Did you get on well with the other guys? Did you go out, you know, uh, did you, were you able to go out and sort of enjoy the bars and the nightclubs and the social life? Because, you know, young Swedish guy over there is going to want to have yeah. some fun, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, it was, uh, it was okay because like when I lived, I think I lived alone in the house for like, and half a week i think before before another swedish guy signed uh, called kevin kustovich and he signed uh, and and came into my house so i had him uh the first like i, I think i was alone like two weeks before he came so we could like be together and do stuff and go to the city so i, I don't think it was so much uh, i didn't have that time to get together with some other guys in the team um, and I heard from other guys in the team that that they were living in houses like almost the whole team and the four or five six guys who were living in living in each house were doing stuff together it was not often that they did stuff with the team mm. I suppose if they have that social situation where they're traveling to training together they're traveling home together they're yeah. eating together you know that just yeah. becomes the thing exactly. and the two Swedish guys were living separately uh, did you enjoy sharing a house with another Swedish guy or would you have preferred to sort of be in the house with all the, the Irish boys and say what they were up to it's tough uh, like I think it, of course, it's it's it was the easiest way to because then another Swedish guy called Donald Kresic that I played with before that I knew from before also moved in and came to the club. So we were living three Swedes, and then a guy called Tundo Vlabi moved in as well. He's he's English Belgium guy. Um, so we were living, but first when we three Swedish guys lived, it was okay, and you know we we have the same food culture and speak the same language. You didn't have to speak English all the time. Um, that was new for me, uh, but yeah, like in the end, I, I think I rather would live in live with the Swedish guys than the Irish guys. Although it would be an, an uh, 
good experience for me to to be living with with Irish guys and and see how they cook and what they do when they're time off and stuff. Uh, when it comes to those things like food, right? So you have your three Swedish guys in there. You're doing your thing. Um, could you find like Swedish foods around the place? Were you looking for? You probably weren't there by the time uh, midsummer happened, but like you know, sill all these kinds of things. Were you yeah, looking yeah. for those or Swedish coffee, for instance? Did you get people to send it over to you? Uh, no, but my girlfriend actually came like two weeks after I moved into the house, so she brought some some Swedish candy and uh, some coffee because I'm a coffee addict, uh, so I I needed that. But it wasn't like I wasn't looking for the Swedish stuff. Uh, like I did, like of course I did the Swedish, the Swedish uh, cooking stuff as I always do. But I didn't look for the Swedish, like like you said, sill and stuff, because mm. that wasn't like in my mind at that time. Yeah, there's there's a couple of Facebook groups for Swedish people living in Ireland, and they're always looking mm. for things like snooze and sill yeah, and yeah, yeah. this kind mm. of stuff as well. You know, and um, what did you find the city of Cork like as as a young guy living there? You know, did you enjoy being in Cork? Did you get out and about? Did you see any of the city? Uh, yeah, actually, it was out in the city. I think we had like a. 10 to 15 minutes drive uh, into the town, into the middle part of the city. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I was like, uh, it was loads of different restaurants and shopping and everything like that. Um, especially when my my family came over and my girlfriend was over, it was nice to, to show her around the city. But I wasn't, I, I didn't have the time. Of course, I had the time, but I didn't even, I didn't really do it. But uh, see out the like the nature and stuff that i've heard was really really nice as well mm. it's when you get outside the city in that part of the world it's beautiful all right down the mm. southwest coast and um, back to the football alvin you started that game against bohemians um, how did you find the rest of the games that you played in because as we were saying it was always going to be a tough season for cork city having just mm. come back up from the first division how did it go for you after that on the field um it was tough uh, like i said i started the first game um but I wasn't happy with the game and and the coach wasn't so happy with the game either with me or with the team um and he he saw on the GPS that that my my numbers wasn't as he wanted them to be and uh, so I was I got um uh, the long trip to Derry and uh, the the game after and and had 90 minutes on the bench at that game. So that wasn't the funniest. No. Um, that drive and everything that comes with that. Um, and then I had uh, played the third game against UCD, the the college team, and we, we won 4-0, and I played like 30 minutes, uh, and it felt good. Uh, I felt that I was closer getting back to my normal level of playing. Uh, and then... I don't remember who played last the game after that, but I had like a six, seven, eight uh, games where I was starting on the bench um, in a row there. That was tough. Uh, I was I was struggling because I had so much um, pressure on myself that I would be uh, one of the key players in the team, uh, and I knew that the. The coach was expecting that from me as well, and I didn't get the get get the, get me get my get myself on that level that I wanted to. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, so it was tough, like a few games, and then I had I was finally starting, and we in that game I started, we lost four zero against St. Patrick, I think, mm-hmm. and I thought I made a big good game, and my friends and family said the same about me, but but the coach didn't think that, so I was back on the bench, and uh, yeah, then it was a few games. Uh, after that on the bench I think it was 90 minutes on the bench for a few games then I got the chance to start again and then I tore my ACL on that game <laughs> I mean that must be mentally extremely difficult Albin because it, you're a professional footballer you're away in a new country you know for somebody coming from the Allsvenskan you should be starting every game and then you don't get the full pre-season and things change a little bit it, it was it very difficult for you mentally even leading up to the injury you know did, did you struggle a little bit to keep your motivation up and to, to stay in, in a good mood at that time like not the motivation I was always motivated to 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 show him that you have to start with me like I'm I'm a better player than the ones who are starting now uh but of course, it was tough. Uh, I felt some pressure that I would be the, I had to be the best player in every training to even be, even get him thinking to start me in the starting mm-hmm. lineup. Uh, but I never like, I never felt that I was not motivated to, to play. I was still thinking of like, I'm going to be here the rest of the year, but I'm going to show him that he's doing a mistake not starting me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was tough, of course. Of course, it was tough staying in another country without my family and friends and and struggling with with the amount of minutes that I played. How did the, the injury happen? You tore your ACL and you damaged the meniscus in your knee. How, how did that happen? Uh, yeah, it was actually against both as well. I had got the start and this time I played as a as a left wing back. Uh, like I played like a f- very few times in my life, but... It felt good. Uh, I think I played a good game and and everything like that. And then I just was about to. I went. I ran into the middle, I think, and I was about to run back to my to my position, and I got stuck with my right foot in the grass, and the rest of the body was about to run away, but my foot was stuck in the grass, and I twisted my whole body around my knee and felt straight away that something went really bad. That was that. Did you know sort of instantly? Were you taken to hospital pretty much straight away there or what happened? Actually, I was laying there and she, the physio came in and she said, can you stand up faster than I even could think of? And I was like, yeah, maybe. And I stood up, and but I felt straight away that, that something is really bad. I couldn't really like stand on it. So I was sitting on the bench with some ice and then I, I spoke to their doctor a bohemian doctor and she said yeah it's not that swollen so it, it could be a positive thing but uh, i didn't go to the hospital she asked me but i was like no I, I i won't stay in the hospital in dublin waiting for someone to check me out before getting a three-hour trip back to cork and uh, mm-hmm. so i i just um yeah they helped me on the bus i couldn't stand on it uh and yeah i got the um what's called in english the uh, mri is it yeah the mri sorry yeah the mri uh some some days uh, after that and uh, it said the uh, acl but she the physio said like it's listen it's either the meniscus or the acl uh, and it was both this time lovely 
Um, you did something which is quite unusual in football. When you suffered that injury, it was obviously the end of your season, right? Uh, and you decided, you went to Cork City and you said, look, let's just cancel the rest of this contract, which is quite generous considering you were one of the people who's getting paid uh, most in the team or getting reasonably well paid in the team. Why did you decide to do that? Did you want to come back to Sweden and go through the Swedish healthcare system and recover here? Yeah, you know, as as I said, I I didn't have my family there. My my girlfriend was going back to Sweden because she was working here in Sweden this summer, and I knew that like my season is over and everything of that, and uh, I had a physio over here in Sweden that I that I trust and she knows my body from from previous year and previous injuries, so I just decided that listen, I I just my contract was ending anyways in in november or december so i i just said like to my agent there and and my family that like i have to cancel the contract and go back to sweden because fiscal for me i wouldn't uh, be able to like stand up with just sitting next to the pitch doing small stuff with my knee and then knowing that i'm not going to play anything uh, for the rest of the season so we terminated it, and uh, yeah, now I'm back in Sweden. When you look back over your time in Cork, you said you wanted a new adventure, and it certainly sounds like that. Are you happy you went there? Are you glad you had that experience, despite being on the bench and despite the injury? Yeah. Uh, yes, I am. Like I, I, I would, I would do that like all days uh, uh, again, um, like because I, I couldn't like see through the future that I would get the, an ACL injury and not get the, the amount of minutes that I that I thought that I would get um but like I don't regret regret a thing that I that I moved to Ireland because I've I met some people that I will that I still have contact with and uh, I still love the few a few things with with Cork anyway so would you go back to the League of Ireland or are you going to change your focus now and see you know when you're recovered from this ACL injury are you going to look further afield or what do you plan for the rest of your career now uh, my plan is to to next season get get back to playing on on elite level uh, but I can't say where that would be uh, of course I guess I guess you're not the the most um, uh, so attractive Attractive, yeah, attractive target on the market when you got an ACL. Although I, my injury list is super small. This is like my my first long term injury. Um, so my my plan is now to just like focus on the knee and and recover as as hard as I can, uh, and go back to playing on some elite level, uh, even if it's if it's Ireland, Sweden, or anywhere else. We'll have to see, but um, my plan is to get back and play on, on the same level next year. And my final question, sir, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Do you still keep an eye out for Cork City's results on a Friday night? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I still have uh, one Swedish guy left, uh, Kevin, and uh, I'm I'm a really good friend with the striker, Robert Keating, as well, uh, since we lived together almost because we, we shared the same live in the same apartment street so um so yeah i'm still checking fantastic and if you can she you might bring over a few cork lads to play for vorbay or to play for Halmstar or somebody like that so we can keep actually i actually spoke to especially keating um that uh 
I said, listen, you would enjoy Sweden so much and with everything about Sweden, with the league and, and the food and the people and everything. So, yeah, I'm trying, but uh, we'll see if I succeed. Well, we, we would very much appreciate you breaking that transfer story right here <laughs> on the Irish and Sweden podcast. Alvin, the best of luck with your recovery and we look forward Thank to seeing where much. it takes you next. Thanks very Thank much indeed. Bye-bye. There you go. The wonderful Albin Vienbo there talking about his time at Cork City. It's a weird old life all the same being a professional footballer there. And I suppose it's probably the same for Katie and for Albin and that kind of thing. You never know where you're going to wind up. Some coach likes you, another coach doesn't. You twist your knee, something goes wrong. You end up living in some weird spot and that kind of thing. There's any amount of stories. And I would actually like to see, I know we haven't had Zach Elbozadi on the podcast for a long time. Zach has been a little bit out in the cold at AIK and I have to say it's not a decision I entirely agree with. They're whinging about not having any pace in the squad and they've actually dropped Zach from the squad for the last few games so half the time you wonder what people in football to be up to at all but you're listening I will say nothing I will keep my opinions to myself about those kinds of things lads patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm chuck in a fiver a month help me keep making this if you're into the Irish community in Sweden it's a given right if you're into the Irish company uh, company the Irish community around the world it's also a given last week I did an interview there ahead of the rugby world cup with Alan Quinlan brilliant rugby player for Ireland and for Munster and Heineken Cup winner and all that and I had a huge reaction I popped that one up on YouTube and it had about three and a half thousand or four thousand views in no time at all right so if I were a month that really helps me altogether if you have any work in terms of journalism communications any of that kind of thing bang it on here if you need a moderator for your, your community day your staff or whatever get in touch lads if you have any work go and let me know it'd be great crack altogether to get up there throw me a few bob and I will happily continue to do these things but most of all, lads, share the podcast, right? This podcast will always be free. Not taking any money off anybody for it in that way. If you want to contribute, if you want to donate, absolutely. But I'm never going to charge anybody for listening to this podcast because I remember what it was like to be fairly broke when I moved over here in the beginning. So this is always going to be free, as will the Global Gale, the other podcast. But those of you who can afford to chuck in a few, Bob, please do because it helps me keep the lights on. It helps me spend the time doing these things and going down to Lynn Shopping and talking to Katie and getting Albin on the Zoom there and putting everything together on a Sunday afternoon while you are out picking the mushrooms or the cantonella or whatever you're doing in the forest or you'd be sitting indoors in the darkness recording this to bring you and I do it because I love you it's a community supported podcast it only exists because you do lads I'm away right I'm a bit up in the air now this week so if you happen to have any ideas about people to talk to and that kind of thing uh, do let me know uh, there's a couple of things that I would like to do but I'm kind of limited now I have a very fluid calendar as they say but if you have any stories you're coming up that you, you think I should tell get on to me now as soon as you finish listening to this right log on to the Patreon make a contribution and then get stuck into me and tell me who you need me to talk to because I'm looking for inspiration this week because I want to be able to bring you another podcast at 7 o'clock Monday morning next week in September until then my friends look after you as ourselves look after one another and I'll be back with you again this time next week with another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast